Hello and welcome to another edition of Kent and the Steering Team. We're back once again um, with myself, Phil, and my good mate, Drew. Unfortunately, Kent can't be with us this week. He's actually off eating some curry, so he has something to talk about with me when I return next week. Uh, anyway, on with the show. Mr. Drew, how are you? Well, you know what? I'm feeling like a man lost in time. We're talking four weeks ahead of schedule, and yet... In four weeks' time, when this goes up, I'll have a listen and go, damn, that was four weeks ago. Where was I then? Where am I now? How are you? How's India? Uh, I'm trying to answer that as if I am there. Uh, you know what? It's, it's interesting. It's a bit of a culture shock. I can't believe that I'm here. It's crazy. Um, I'm actually enjoying it a lot more than I thought I it would. It's, it's quite humid. The rain in the afternoon, it is a bit exhausting. But uh, yeah, no, it's really good. Um... Yeah, that was a bit difficult to do. Uh, anyway, <laughs> on with the show. Um, yeah, I hope I answered that properly there, Drew. Did that sound okay? Did that sound legit? A little bit. A little bit? Good. A little bit. Well, that's good. Um, we're talking about... It's so difficult to try and pre-record this stuff so far in advance because it means that you have to work doubly hard in the amount of content you try and come up with before uh, we do it. Normally, we have the whole week to prepare for the one show. And shows how indeed normally we do lazy we are. I guess <laughs> yeah. Normally we take that full week up until the second before we hit record. Yet here we are having to smash out four episodes within the space of what, like two weeks or something like that. So it's been interesting, but it's been cool nonetheless. Um, and we we're talking about this just off air. Off air, um, how uh, we we're trying to decide what we wanted to talk about, but then we we're like, you know what? Let's talk about books. Books, books, Let's talk books. about books. Exactly. Books, books, books. They're very useful things. No, I, just, I know that song is yeah. about bags. But, um, yeah, we were talking about how there's different kinds of book readers that both of us are books to completely different kind of ends of the spectrum, I guess. Um, a lot of our listeners are book readers. Um, has Questions like, has Kindle killed off the book? Um you know, that sort of thing. So we, we thought we'd try and investigate that a little bit more or break into that world a little bit more and, and look at our life around books. What we read as children, what we're reading now, what aren't we reading and why, how our tastes change, that sort of thing. So Indeed. I thought it was an excellent topic. Drew, good idea. Um, yeah, what what's your opening statement about or, or opening um, kind of... Uh, your opening statement about books. I love books. What's not to love? It allows you to engage in a story, and and yet you create the world as you read it. You have your imagination as the playground, and no matter how specific an author can be in their description, it will still be a unique experience for each reader. And I love that concept. I love that that is the attitude that is taken when adapting a book to a film, or when a book inspires music or artwork, anything like that, any any translation to a physical medium where there's been an interpretation from the imagination of the reader. I love the idea that you can get lost in this world and it's entirely your own, and yet someone has laid out this map for you and you just follow along with it. It's so unique, and... Mm. It's something where I I feel very scared sometimes that the art of appreciating a good book will become lost, and I hope it never does. That sounds yeah, it's that, almost that, as that, if that this... sounds a bit a bit all over the place, but I I genuinely I I love reading mm. and I love books a lot, so it's good to be able well, to talk I, about I, it. <laughs> yeah, I I wonder if books will sadly phase out i mean we have newspapers that are phasing out and becoming digital but are digital but books books to me are different they're not the same thing as a newspaper they are despite the fact that they're in that this kind of um physical form i think that books still have their place they're that nice i'm not a massive book reader i do love reading when i do pick up a book and read it um and i do have books on the go at the moment but um yeah books deserve their place i don't think they should ever disappear to go into someone's home and see a wall of books on a bookshelf or 
or even just small collections of books or seeing you almost get a gauge of what the person's like with the, the books that they have and i think that needs to be kept i don't think books deserve to disappear there's no. such an interesting idea the fact that they are these these they're these pages have words on them that make these really interesting stories and despite the fact something like kindle does exist to have this physical book is is so interesting that this is there forever this is what it is so yeah no i think books have their place and i would be very disappointed if they disappeared and yeah i'd look i'm not a massive reader but i do love books as well i don't know about you but i really appreciate the smell of books it seems like a super weird thing but if you're reading i've heard lots of people say that it's yeah when the smell of a brand new book or or the smell of an old book or even just walking into a bookshop it you can tell you smell the I pages know that feeling. it's that mix of the pages and the ink and it ah oh, I, I love it I, I spend hours in bookshops hours upon hours and and the amount of time I spent in libraries growing up, um, school libraries, local libraries, I, I used to love it. I still love it. There's nothing quite like that experience. And it's the excitement and the trepidation because you know that just reaching for any title on the shelf could unlock a whole new world for you. Well, I love that there are so many different so many different books so many different things written about and when you go into a bookstore or a library or something like that the whole place is full of completely different ideas and stories um and you can see the physical form that it takes when it when it fills up a space like all of these different things are different ideas um written down um and that's that's interesting i i do as much as i love the look and the christmas of a new book i also do like stumbling across like if i go out to the the, i guess the study or the library that we have here at home when i walk in there and i see a book and you can see it's kind of a little bit old um the pages have gone that sort of yellowy sort of color Mm. or that golden sort of color you you know that it's it's been around a while it's almost aging with time and and yeah it's nice not when they're dirty but just when they're aging nicely it's kind of nice i always find it interesting how different publishers you respect it like a person you do you do um look at looking at books on my own shelf um i I picked up on this years ago that different publishers used different paper stock and certain books yellowed faster than others and yellowed differently Mm. Uh, the prime example is walker books now I own a lot of books published by Walker Books, and I'll, I'll get on to why later. But they yellow so quickly, and it I, I can't figure out why the paper stock yellows as fast as it does. But damn, it's noticeable. Like, really, really noticeable. And, and I've got books in a series where... I bought them out of order, so sometimes the first or second uh. book in the series the pages will still be a lot less yellow than than ones that are further down the line. And I... Oh, it's, it's weird. That annoys me. Yeah. I've grown to accept that there's a bit of charm in it, but... Have you seen Have you seen that idea that, that some designers have, which is to turn the books around and have the spine against the wall, so then you just see the pages? I think that's completely bizarre. Why would anyone ever do that? The whole idea of the spine of the book, well, having the title on the spine of the book is so that you know what book it is without having to have it front on. Why would anyone have the spine to the wall? I don't understand that. It makes no sense. I don't get it. No, I don't I don't think it's a good idea at I've, all. I, I've, got anyway, a couple of, I've got a couple of books on the shelf that that have a box that they sit in. So they're, they're mm. a, I've got a couple of hardback books that aren't... They don't have a dust jacket, but they sit yep. in a in a box and they slide into the box. And I could, in fact, put the spine of the book against the wall and mm. have the spine of the box facing out. But I've actually got the spine of the box facing the wall and I've still got the book spine facing out. I can't not do that. Yeah, it look, uh, but also just to have the pages exposed to the front means i'll age along the front a lot faster and also you don't know yeah. what the hell it is how exactly. are you meant to tell I know, like i know I it's this awesome idea of all the pages there and you can just see see what there is like the amount of 
depth to the book, but at the same time, no, it's about knowing what it's what what book it is. Anyway, that's just such a niche little thing about some it's, stupid it designers seems odd, doing but it's, stupid but it's interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, interesting nonetheless. I, I I don't know about you. Did did you grow up with golden books? I feel I feel refresh like my memories. They they were children's books that had the golden spine on them. Golden spine. They were they ah. were picture books. There was you know the. Um, uh, pokey the yeah, little maybe. puppy, um, and and the little tugboat, and yep, yep, and yep. Golden books, yeah, absolutely. But the golden, the golden, the yeah, yeah the golden spine, the, the go- exactly. But it had a kind of a mix of black and gold in it, or yep, is it just yep, me? Yeah, that's the ones. Yeah, did, did that's you- the ones. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I I had a neat little collection of them. I, I still got it somewhere, and it was always this staple nearly every night when I went to bed, one of my parents would sit on on the edge of the bed with me and they would read me one of these books before I went to bed. And as I got older and was learning to read, they would get me to read the book to them. And I, I used to Adorable. love these books so much. And th- that's why I've still got them. I, I just, I'm, for the life of me, I, I think we, we put them away in a, in a safe place, as you do, a little too mm. safe. And I wonder where mine are. But there were some classics, and and they had all the best kind of deals with the um, with the different um, properties, like like Sesame Street or Disney or, or whatever. And mm. and now there's Marvel ones, which which is awesome. I I, I remember my favorite one now. Yeah. It was uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, and it had uh, Mickey and Goofy in it, and I think Donald Duck as well. You, I think I've got the and, Mickey and the Beanstalk yeah. one somewhere. Yeah, and oh. that was great. And and there was this see uh, this this uh, picture on one of the pages of them cutting with a knife and fork a bean and eating a bean, and that's that image is stuck in yep. my mind. It it'll be there forever. Like I so vividly remember the picture. Wow, my these books favorite. Are, yeah. My my favorite was the Sesame Street one, the monster at the end of this book, and the whole book mm. is Grover telling you, begging you, not to turn to the next page because you're one page closer <laughs> to the monster at the end of the book. Spoiler alert: Who was the monster? You get to the end and he realizes there's no one there except him, and he's like, "Oh, I'm the monster at the end of this book." Oh, Grover. Grover's one of my favourites. Absolutely. And it was so tongue-in-cheek and really funny. I I loved it. I also had had a Bugs Bunny Yosemite Sam one where he was was at Pismo Beach, which is always his goal to get to Pismo Beach. He stumbles upon some treasure that Yosemite Sam wanted. and ah, I used to love reading these books. He always takes that right turn at, at Albuquerque. Yep. Always. Always. Ah, uh, books. I completely forgot about those. Well, I, I had often had um, uh, Dr. Seuss books as well. We had, um, you know, there's the, the, the classic Green Eggs and Ham, um, Big Fish, Little Fish. Uh, what else did we have? We, we had uh, ABCs. And then we yep. also had my favorite one was Go Dog Go. That was my favorite. Did classic. you ever read Go Dog Go? I remember it. Ah, uh, Go Dog Go. Yeah, Go Dog Go was excellent. There's all these opposites, and I just ah, uh, dogs at play and dogs at sleep, and it just oh, I loved it so much. I need to go find it again. It's falling apart, I think the book, but yeah, I used to, those red books are iconic. I used to love going through all the Doctor Seuss books, and mm. you know, you you get there. There is yeah. No, continue. No, continue. Oh. I was just going to say, you get all primed for the Grinch at Christmas. <laughs> you know, I never... I, we didn't have the Grinch, and I never knew about the Grinch till the Jim Carrey movie, pretty much. Really? Yeah, really, really. Oh, wow. No idea what, no idea what it was. Um, it was interesting. We had one... We had one Dr. Seuss books, a book which had a yellow... The, all the others were red, with like a white cover on it. Yep. Um, and we had one that was yellow with white, and it was really weird. It stuck, uh, st- stood out so so far on the shelf. It was just like, what? What's the yellow one? I could never understand why it was a different color. 
Yeah, I remember that. I remember. Good. I remember getting to a point where um, I, I was getting past the golden books. Not that I think I've ever grown out of them. I, I still love picking them up mm. and reading them, and now I get to read them to my own son. But I I remember getting to a point where I was like, right, time to start picking up some other books and and reading them. And one of the first things I headed into mm. was something my dad read as a kid, The Hardy Boys. And yeah. given the nature of the Hardy Boys, there are hundreds and hundreds of them to read. So it was very easy to just devour book after book after book and to get hooked on these really short novels that were telling some pretty gritty mysteries. And, and that was always the mm. thing. They were solving mysteries, but I, I always found it fascinating that they could do that in the guise of a children's book and still have dead bodies popping up left, right, and center and having guns blazing and... Just, just some really hair-raising stuff that I, I swear should not be in a kid's book, and yet it was. And I'm very grateful that it was. Well, from 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 books like Dr. Seuss and, like, Golden Books, I started to migrate to things like... I think the, in year one, the first proper kind of book that, that I was read by the teacher was uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. And for a long time, that's been my favourite Dr. Seuss... Uh, Favorite Roald Dahl book. I loved uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox. I didn't like the movie at all, but I loved Is, the book um, so much. I I like the mm. movie, but that's a whole other discussion that you and I have had a few times. <laughs> mm. um, is that oh, is yeah. that still your favorite Roald Dahl book? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I've I've, I've read. It's a, it's a bloody good book. I'd, it is, but see, I didn't read. Uh, no, I read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but I never read the the. Um, what is it? The same glass, the glass elevator. Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. That one. I never read that. I didn't read Matilda. I kind of only read. Um, I read Fantastic Matilda. Mr. Fox, Charlie and My... Chuck, and then James and the Giant Foot. Fo- uh, James and the Giant Peach. Peach. I read as well. Yeah. Mm. My favorite Roald Dahl book, without question, is George's Marvelous Medicine. Did you ever read it? Never read that. No. Do no. you know the plot? No. All right. So, for you and the listeners out there that have never read George's Marvelous Medicine, told the story of young George, a a nice enough kid who hated, absolutely despised his evil, evil grandmother. And he's, he's having to look after her and he has to bring her her medicine. And he decides, well, he's going to really fix her today because she's just causing him all kinds of hell. So he starts mixing all these random things together into a concoction and goes, right, here's your medicine. And oh, wow, she, morbid. Yeah, it's really dark and morbid, but it's interesting. She grows tall. She goes Bizarre. short. She becomes every kind of weird, different thing. And it, and it teaches her not to mess with the kid. But it was... Jesus. Absolutely spectacular. I also, I love the I, short one, The Magic Finger. That was another great one of his. Oh, yeah, I read The Magic Finger. That was a big one what in class. What was The class. Magic Finger again? Oh, the, the girl had had the power in her finger to to do um, whatever it was. Uh, magic, of course. <laughs> of course. I also read BFG. That's another one that I read. Oh, the BFG was wonderful. Mm. Uh, there were, yeah, some excellent books there. I mean, I, I even... Do you remember the Disney Princess books? Yeah. I think they Disney Princess books. Yeah, I do. They, they were big picture books, but they had words in them and stuff like that. There was even a Lion King one as well. Um, well, they're just big Disney Disney um, illustrated books. I, I used to um, have with the, the read-along. same animation as the movie. I used to have the... the yeah. Ah, yeah. With the cassette. Oh, my God. And they had pink on the... They were pink cassettes, I think, or the yep. pink on the back of the book or yep. something like yep. that. Yep. But... I completely forgot about them. Yes, I remember so them only, so much. I, I've still got both the books and the cassettes. I had The Little Mermaid. Uh, I have Toy Story. I have the Toy Story one. I can't remember was... what ones we had, but I remember having... To, it would come to the end of it and be like, please turn over. Yep. And, and then eventually <sighs> Disney graduated up to doing CDs with them. No, I never. we never got that. We stopped at the cassettes but oh my god i completely forgot about them i would love to dig one out oh it's it's worth wow. it wow 
Ah, uh, what what nostalgia! Oh my god! I know. I just wish I could find. I wish I could just find the the childhood cassettes that we used to have because we used to listen to like Wiggles ones and stuff or Play School ones. Yes. I can't find them anywhere. I really want to find them. All, but I can't find them. All anywhere. those car trips. I, I think about now. I, th- I think yes. about all those car trips where mum and dad would just happily put in either either one of these um, Disney ones or or play school or the wiggles they'd just put the cassettes in and they'd be in the front singing along to all those songs and that kind of been what they wanted to listen to i, th- I think about no, it now sure. and you know i still i still hear those songs in my head and, and think about it to this day i, I think of, especially the play school ones do you remember mm. um bubba rumba brum brum boom just, boom well i remember there was a racist one that i i there was a racist one that never dawned on me till I was an adult that it was racist. Um, talking about there's a monkey sitting in the family tree, and I never got that till I was older. <laughs> I didn't realize how offensive that is. Um, yeah, but but see, there's that city, and I can't find it now. We used to listen to it because my sisters and I used to share a room, and we used to listen to that on the like mm. I could paint you what the room looked like. But I remember it would sit there on the bedside table, and we'd listen to it as we'd go to sleep. Even and the ning and, yeah, I loved it so much. Where the cows go, bong. Monkeys jibber jabber jew. Yeah, oh, I remember that. That cassettes are fantastic. What a fantastic medium. I wish wish but that was still around. Um And yeah. Yeah, and, but and then, books. Yeah, books. And then, you know, we're, we're taking we're taking our audience here through through the little journey of our our reading lives. Um but mm. you know, there was there was Enid Blyton with the Secret Seven and the Famous Five and I didn't watch I didn't read them, I read the naughty books though, the naughty novels. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what I read. Naughty. Yeah, there were red ones. There was one with a with a monkey, which was a monkey donkey, I think. Yep, yep. Um, um, I remember. I, uh, I I I got the what's the what's uh, what's the chicken that made the thing and no one wanted to help. Which thing? You know the chicken. There's a chicken that made a that made a a, a cake and no one wanted to help out. Was it chicken licking had the sky fall down and then there was a there's another one where the bloody that bloody chicken made a cake and no one wanted to help out. And then suddenly when the cake was done, everyone wanted to eat it. I got that as a present from school for completing book week or something like that. I remember. I can't remember what the bloody. I remember I got a, I got a book written, a kid's book written by Gretel Colleen once from, um, Oh yeah. And her kids were in it. Zeke and something else. Yeah. I I think I got it from a family member. Um, but yeah, I got, my sister is a full stop. Yeah, we got we got that written to us, uh, read to us in year four. Yeah. I remember at school, my teacher used to put um, on voices. Obviously, an episode dedicated to books would not be remiss without the next the next one I'll, I'll mention. Um, I, I remember being in year. What was I? In? I was in. Oh, it was eight. I, I would have been in year three, and mm. I remember being in the in the library and there were um, there were all these books around and I don't remember who presented it in front of me or whether I saw it on the shelf but there was there was this book called Harry Potter and yeah I didn't I didn't quite know too much about it I just knew I, I saw there were a couple of books there and I think maybe someone else in the class had read it uh, might have been my best mate at the time was reading it or something his mum was a teacher so I think she'd sort of mm. recommended it too I took it home and devoured it and then I went back and got the second one and devoured that too and then went back and got the third one and devoured that very very quickly and then what? in 2001 we were very privileged to get a fourth book and the first movie and the rest is history i still remember um mum read we're all i think we're all old enough to have read ourselves but it was just nice having mum read read them to us um you know i think it was the first two or first three she she the first two would have been that she read to us it was nice just to like lie down on her bed while you know, with you know my sisters and my mum, and my mum would just read it to us, and yeah, it was so nice because mum would do the voices as well, and we all thought that Hermione's name was Homeone for the first until the movie came out or something like that. Oh, it's nice and to know was I wasn't the, alone. Yeah, we we're all surprised, but we we're like Hermione, isn't it Homeone? 
but yeah, I'd, yeah, there you I'd go. pronounce the e though as well. I'd be like Hermione. Yeah, but yeah, because I'd not heard. No, exactly. No one knew what the bloody name was. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so to that that was great, great nostalgia there, and uh, then. I remember we saw Mum worked for Johnson and Johnson at the time, and and they gave out because they were doing like a kind of toiletries line of Harry Potter stuff. We got tickets to an advanced screening of it, and we went and saw it. And that was my show until the next day at school. I told people all about seeing that. Um, and then for the second one, I remember going and seeing it at Hoyt's East Gardens, and I'll never forget when just after we'd bought the tickets, we'd got there nice and early to make sure we got tickets, and it was dead quiet on a Friday afternoon. I think you know no one had come from work or anything like that, so there we were just got our tickets and as we were walking away from the cinema just before so we could go get something to eat before we saw the movie mum just let out one of those really so like like yes you know when you can't like you're full of energy and you just want to go yes like yeah, i'm excited that yep. kind of thing and we're all just like we're all like yeah like hell yeah even mum's really excited like this is good this is gonna be so much fun and yeah it was excellent excellent i i also i also still remember watching the trailer for um the Chamber of Secrets. We had, I think, back when it was still dial-up internet or just very early broadband, and movies hadn't really migrated to the internet yet, so we had to download this thing. And do you remember when you had to had to watch um, when you were watching videos and stuff? You'd have to like press play, watch it, then it would freeze. Then you'd have to rewind it and then watch it again, so it loaded a little bit more, then rewind it and do that. We used to have to do that with a lot. Um, with QuickTime embedded into the exactly into the page. Yes, exactly. Many, many, many hours of my life, I, I fear I have wasted on that process. But mm-hmm. I learnt the trick early on that once the whole thing had loaded, you could click the little drop-down arrow in the far corner and save it because the video had Didn't know essentially that. downloaded to the temp folder. You could then save the video to watch again and again and again. Did not know that. But yeah, I interesting. Isn't it funny what a what a phenomenon Harry Potter was and still is to this day? Yeah. And it's as far as reading goes, it, it's revolutionized um, and rejuvenated a love of reading for children. And I, I, mm. I mean, I'm I'm now at this point where I'm reading the books to my own son and read, reading them to him every night. And, you know, we've got the illustrated editions cause that's now a thing. It's, I did not know that was a thing. Yeah. And they're doing, I think they're doing about one a year at the moment. So Goblet of Fire will be coming out this year in illustrated edition. And wow. yeah, I, and I've, I've got a, a couple of editions of, of the books. I, so I like collecting books a little bit as well. So I've got, mm. I've got all the original copies of the books with the last four of them in first editions. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yep. The last four are first editions. I've got the most recent editions in a really beautiful box with a golden dragon on a red backdrop on it. Um, Mm -hmm. That looks fantastic. It does, doesn't it? Um, I'm getting the the special boxed editions they're the ones that are sitting inside the boxes individually and then i'm also getting the 20th anniversary house editions at the moment as well oh plus the illustrated ones can't believe it's can't believe it's 21 years i know it's the time has just flown by hasn't it Mm. it's interesting how how um you know, my book kind of collection went from that sort of thing. I think then I kind of had a bit of a gap. I kind of read things like Tomorrow When the War Began, and then I kind of just got into reading things from school. Um, what? Just quickly, one thing, actually, back to it, back to school. Um, we had to read Animal Farm at school, and I had zero interest in reading it then. I had not a single care in the world. Um, but it's funny. I decided because i couldn't be bothered reading it i didn't i couldn't read it i just wasn't interested i downloaded it as an audiobook and i fell asleep listening to it and it's become so ingrained in my mind now that i refer to it i think at least like once once a fortnight i'll refer to animal farm for some reason like i just i can't believe how much i refer to something that i had no interest in reading not because i liked it so much in the end but just because through listening to it as an audiobook it's become so 
it worked so well and I knew so much about it because I did listen to it through an audiobook even after I'd fallen asleep. It's just in there. It's in my brain now forever. It's excellent. Isn't it interesting how you so look at something that's that starts out as a school text and then when you can take it out of that environment, you have such a different appreciation for it because you're not trying to overanalyze every little bit of it. Correct. You, you can just kind of enjoy it for what it was. And I absolutely, now thinking back, I, I, I haven't gone back and read it, but I know it and I enjoy it so much now out of school than I did in school. Because you're right, I don't have to pay attention to all the little nuances or little bit of details of everything about it. You can just kind of take the underlying idea or you know what the metaphor is and that's that's the cool part it's when you have to go to more detail than that it's like you're overworking something and you're going to ruin it for someone so yeah definitely i find it so interesting that i i how much i take from it now Mm. Mm. um i don't i don't know where you went with books by the by the time you'd hit preteen sort of i got i got taken to because I like car stuff and everything, and some of my early books were about cars and everything like that. I got given um, Hover Car Racer by Matthew Riley. That was my kind of teen book, and I loved that so much. So then I got other books by him. I got Hell Island. I got Ice Station, um, Area Seven, um, and you know I've read them again and again. I'm currently reading them again um, because they're still great, uh, great books. I love reading them. Yeah, that's where I've gone. Yeah, where you, I went. You had Matthew Riley through throughout all of that. Um, mm. For me, I had Anthony Horowitz and the Alex Ryder books, mm-hmm. which I still read to this day. They they are my Walker books mm. with the yellowing pages. Um, <laughs> Anthony Horowitz, he's a prolific writer. Um, he's written two yeah. two of my favorite series of books both Alex Ryder and The Power of Five. He's also the appointed author for both the Ian Fleming estate and the Conan Doyle estate to continue James Bond and Sherlock Holmes, That's respectively. Right. He's also the guy That's that... R- yeah. He's he's also the guy that brought Midsummer Murders from book to television. Like, Yeah. This, <laughs> this guy's talking. amazing. I, I had the privilege of meeting him in person um, 12 years ago when he was doing a book tour across Australia to promote the power of five and the recent movie of Stormbreaker when it was coming out. Mm. And he was an absolute sweetheart. Wow. He was the, he's the nicest guy you could ever hope to meet. And you could see that, that genuine, that genuine streak that runs through him pours into his books and into his writing. And, yeah, mm-hmm. it, that was, for me, that that was so long, and it, it was something I loved. I loved reading these books about this teenage super spy, but because he handled it the way you would write an adult novel, it felt like you were reading something so much more. Mm. And, yeah, that's... And, and I've, I have never picked up a Matthew Riley book, but from everything I've been told, he handles it the same way. What I love about Matthew Riley is that I, I know that books give you the description, but he gives you such a great description that it um, uh, uh, that that it feels like you are watching a movie. He paint he reads or writes the story in a different way to leaving it almost to you. He wants you to be in this world that he's created and exactly picture it how he kind of created it. And the reason behind that is that but he he always wanted to be a director as a child. Um, and growing up and when he realized to make the sort of movies that he wanted to make would cost a fortune and he couldn't achieve that um he decided to write instead so he he writes it as if it's a movie it's it's i love it i love it so much um yeah it it tells a little bit differently than other books which is cool i really like it what a great way from there though. though yeah exactly it was his way of being able to be a director without having to have the budget behind him yeah it's an interesting way of doing it and that's why when i read it and that's why it almost sparks my interest in being a director reading his books because i can absolutely see how you would rip this rip the words off the page and put them on the big screen he's done the the work for you yeah 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 exactly um from there though from those sorts of books that's when i kind of took my my turn towards um 
you know, nonfiction books. I have a fascination with nonfiction books. I've read things by the guys from um, Top Gear, Jeremy Clarkson, James May, Richard Hammond, um, books like how, you know, Richard Hammond's wife dealt with him uh, suffering a major head injury while filming Top Gear and what the Top Gear guys did around that kind of incident. Then also just like excerpts from Jeremy Clarkson's writing in the Sun uh, newspaper. Um, always fascinating stuff to see that. And then, then you know, books like uh, biographies and stuff like that. And even even from their engineering sorts of books. Or, or even, I have a book from, based on the TV show QI, which is just a book of interesting facts and concepts and stuff like that, which is really interesting. It is quite interesting, just like the show's title, actually. Um, so I kind of left books for a while. I, I read while I was overseas in Norway last year, um, Bill Bryson. Uh, that was interesting and I'd love to read more of him and more of his stuff but yeah now I'm kind of heading back towards that 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 fiction sort of arena it's fun it's fun being in the Mm. fiction arena and and you know I'm I'm looking at my bookshelf right now and just I get these flood of memories of when I read particular books and what brought me to them I've got Mm. um, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events and Mm -hmm. and the 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 weird way in which I I came around to those books and and the impact that left behind Um, things like J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings Um, Mm -hmm. even through to Dan Brown's novels which are always interesting to say the least um, yeah, <laughs> there's there's been some incredible stories that have come through the cracks, and oh, there's one of my favourite series right there, Artemis Fowl. I did you ever read Artemis Fowl? Which one was which one was Artemis Fowl? The eleven year old criminal mastermind who um, holds the fairy race to ransom by kidnapping a fairy and um, trying to get the fairy gold in return for her. No, but it sounds awfully familiar, especially the title. It's so cool, and it, it just sparks this whole series. I, I go back and reread it. I, I, I try to reread it maybe once a year. It's really interesting and fun, and now Disney are going ahead and making a movie of it, and they've got Kenneth Branagh directing it, and it's. I'm hmm. so excited. They've been talking about it for years, and now it's actually happening. But these books were, were fascinating, and... Oh, look, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this one um, because this book holds a very dear place in my heart. I have this Disney mm-hmm. treasury of classics and the book is bloody hard to find now because I've tried to track it down again. Um, I, I've still got it, but I, I just wondered how readily available it was. I don't even know how how my parents got it for me, but I've had it since, pretty much since I was born. And it's all these classic Disney films as stories in this one big volume. And at the end of each story, there would be a page or two of behind the scenes about the movie. And for Mm. years, I would have those stories read to me as well. It just was fantastic. But also having the behind the scenes in there was really interesting. And... Like you, I've I've delved into a, a fair bit of nonfiction as well. Um, yeah, mine's been tailored a lot. I've read a lot of behind the scenes about how films are made and how particular films were made. Of course, of course. Of of course. course. Um, but then there's also my other deep passion, Titanic, and I've I've read so many books about Titanic. Oh, yeah. It's not funny. I've got so many books on Titanic. Yeah, because it's fascinating, and you can never get enough of it. Mm. Um, one of my favorite ones that I've got on the shelf here is a book about the survivors and about their lives after the incident and how they had to readjust to society knowing they had lived through the most horrific disaster of the modern age. Jesus, that's really interesting. I didn't know you had that. Yeah, I'll have to dig it up. Um, it's on the shelf here somewhere I'll, I'll find it and give it to you to read it's really interesting um, yeah and you know like like any good bookshelf I've I've got a Guinness book of records sitting there <laughs> uh, of course I think I've got two of those uh, I've, I've got a, a Leonard Moulton movie encyclopedia as well <laughs> 
I actually I've completely forgotten one of the best authors that I've read books of, uh, Mar- Marcus Susak. Yeah. You know the book thief. Um, yeah. The messenger as well. I read the messenger first, and then I read the book thief. They are great books, and actually he's he's uh, he's I believe he's friends with um, a family friend of mine who is an awesome. Critically acclaimed Australian author as well. I'm, I'm family friends with a great author as well. Are you doing? Um, yes, yes. You, you might not have heard of her. Margot Lunigan uh, is her name. And, I've heard the name. Um, she's written things. Yeah, Tender Morsels, Yellow Cake, you know, Zeros, um, Swarm, Nexus are some of her books. Yeah, it's it's cool. So um, it's funny. I was talking about that I when, back when I was reading... Um, the book thief I, I mentioned it to her that i was reading that and she's like oh yeah with marcus just like yeah we we just had dinner with him the other night and i was like what what like what the hell the reason i read his stuff was because he came to my school and did a book reading and i was like yep i need one of those and uh yeah it was great i loved his books they were fascinating that's so cool mm. um yeah we're, we're also forgetting another great aussie author emily rodder I was going to think of another Aussie author, Paul Jennings. Oh, and Morris Gleitzman. Oh, man. Yes. Round uh, the twist, who... Paul Jennings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did, yeah. You, did um, you read Deltora Quest from Emily Rodder? No, I didn't. I oh, didn't. Man. My sister was obsessed and her friends were, were obsessed, but it, no, she, I passed me by. She's amazing. And she lives up in the Blue Mountains. What a neighborhood it is up it, there. Well, weirdly enough... um. Yeah, uh, her daughter was one of my teachers at school. <laughs> Re- really weird. Uh, very, very small town. Uh, but yeah, another brilliant author. And yeah, Paul Jennings and Morris Gleitzman, two absolutely iconic authors for Australian youth. Mm. Absolutely. You know, even, even uh, what is it, Aussie Bites movies? Uh, Aussie Bites books? Yeah. Uh, and then there were the Just Crazy books. Toad Rage. Uh, yeah yes um, uncanny yeah uncanny there's another one uh, undone or something like yep. that where the kid with the front cover and the kid was turning inside out um, do you remember, which I loved do you, I remember reading that while camping do you remember the one that got turned into the cartoon series with the apple core head guy do the I the creepy villain with with an, a rotten apple core for a head do you remember that no I don't it was, think it was so. a Paul Jennings thing I, I just for the life of me I can't remember what it was called but damn it was terrifying as, as a kid watching a cartoon that thing was mm. scary oh. of course there was Captain Underpants as well ah yes good old Dave Pilkey um, I can actually see a Captain Underpants book on my shelf right now I believe it is the perilous plot of Professor Poopy Pants excellent I only had I think I only had like two or three I I remember in 2004 I got a Captain Underpants books because I needed to, I wanted to have some books before I went away with me to Norway. We went on a trip then, and um, yeah, my my parents got me that book so I could read that while I was away, and I loved that book. I remember I still remember reading it, um, you know, at, at my auntie's holiday house in Norway, and yeah, it's a nostalgic moment for me. I remember that last year when I was there again reading Bill Bryson. I was like, last time I was here, I was reading um, Captain Underpants, so that was really cool. That was a really nice feeling. Wow. It isn't funny how they tie into memories so so oh, no. clearly. It is. It's good that it does. Ah, I've, s- um, I've spotted another one of my absolute favourites, the, yeah. the Spiderwick Chronicles. <laughs> um, now again, I, I used to get compared to the kid. Yeah, yeah um, you were telling me uh, your comparisons to Freddie Highmore. Have you ever read yes. the books that they're based on? The, the, no, no, never. So that never. that movie condensed five books into one film. Wow. And it, and it did it That's... almost seamlessly because the five books together oh, okay. do tell one very complete singular story. It's not like Harry Potter where each book was a year. This told yeah. one story over a very short period of time split into five books. Okay. And, it, and it works. I think they cut they cut the bulk of the third or fourth book out because it's exposition that that can be summarized in a very short amount of time, and they do that through the film. But I mm. love the books, and I'd I've always loved fantasy, and I've always wanted to work with fantasy and to be able to write and direct some kind of fantasy film. 
and mm. Artemis Fowl and Harry Potter and things like that always sparked the imagination with it. But it wasn't until I read Spiderwick that I realized that it was something that I was really passionate about and that it was something achievable and that it could be so simple to to do that. And then I realized, I, I didn't even realize why I was so attached to it until I saw the film, that the whole thing is in the style of an Amblin an Amblin movie from mm. the 70s or 80s, more the 80s. It's that E.T., you know, Gremlins, Goonies sort of feel to it. Yeah. And yeah, I, I've always wanted to do something like that, but that book just really brought it alive, the idea of doing it. That's fantastic. That's excellent. It's nice to have those, um, those kind of the tr- inspirations. Yeah, or, the triggers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, excellent. Well, well, I think this has been a great discussion about books. Kind of a... I don't know. It's a different different sort of tone this this episode. I think it's been good though. I, I quite like this slow. Again, I we we often go down memory lane a bit, but here we are. We're taking it from a different perspective, talking about we, a different side of nostalgia. We like going down memory lane, and I think we like doing it because mm. for us, our nostalgia is what fuels our future. Because we we don't want to live in the past, but we we want to show that we had an awesome life so far and we want to share that magic for other people mm. yeah absolutely absolutely um we get to that uh interesting or tricky point of uh the the, the show though it, where it's time to nominate and uh declare a sick kent of the week of course if you'd like to be on the show be um be sure to to send us um uh, any sort of contact via the Facebook page or in person. Um, we'd love to hear from you and love to have you on the show. Of course, if you are on the show, you get to almost guaranteed to be the winner of the Sick Kent of the Week. Woo. Of course, we don't have a guest on the show this week, so we have to come up with one. So based off of our discussion, do we have a winner? I don't know. I- it's so tough because there's so many good authors out there and things like that but you were about to say something Drew? i don't know either i'm i'm actually still looking around at all the books i have and realizing that we actually need to do a second episode to continue this because i feel like we're, we're only <laughs> halfway through our discussion um yeah <laughs> there's so many books that we haven't talked about that i want to talk about that that haven't made the cut tonight oh, yes. and that's okay that is quite all right. We can we can continue mm. this in another we can episode, come back. We, and we will. But as for a sick Kent, we we can't not have a sick Kent. Um, who do you feel? They like? can't be collectively. I was going to say Roald Dahl because he almost sparked my interest early on. But then again, it goes back before that. It goes back to other books. Although uh, no, look, I'll, I'll be honest. I look. My nominee is Roald Dahl. Reason being, is that he with Fantastic Mr. Fox sparked my um, my interest in books not not so much from a, being a child but from a child going into a student and someone at school that then needed to be able to read and be interested in reading um, when I read Fantastic Mr. Fox or got read Fantastic Mr. Fox and then I asked her it for Christmas one year and I got it I think unless it was a birthday present um, <laughs> that to, to get that book, I got so sad when I lost that book for a while because it was my favorite book and it suddenly appeared again and I read it the same night that I found it again and I loved that book. And yeah, it, it really did spark my interest in more, not adult books, but novels. It sparked my interest in novels. Um, I feel So I would like to nominate I him. I feel like he made novels accessible to children. And, yeah. and for that reason, I, I agree. He is our he's our winner because he he gave us a spark very early. Um, I I remember reading. I, I distinctly remember reading all the books. I remember reading Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and then finding out there was a second mm. one, and reading that one as soon as I could. And I I remember my year two classroom where we had the magic finger on, on the little bookshelf next to the window, next to the class bird, you know, it's, mm. it's just the little, nice. the little things that you take from it. And I, I will never forget 
how big an influence he was at that particular age, just being, you know, seven, six, seven, eight years old, and Roald Dahl just being this hero of children's books who who wrote about children who were in terrible mm. circumstances and somehow these kids found a way out, whether it was poisoning your grandmother or befriending a giant or winning a golden ticket or simply being gifted with the intelligence to rise above your own family. He Mm. gave us all a character to relate to and a hero that inspired us in each story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He did. Yeah, he did that. And he did a great job of it. And it's, yeah, such great writing. That's that's Um, why he's our winner. A hundred percent. He is. Excellent. Excellent. Um, We hope you agree. If you don't, well, tough stuff. It's Um, our award. It's happening. (laughs) Yeah, it's our award. It's, it's, that's done. Pick, decided, signed, sealed, delivered. Um, Tune in next week for another wonderful edition. Of course, I will be back in Australia. So I'll be back with some stories um of my trip away very excited to hear them all. and uh yes and i'll be catching in uh, or checking in with you drew and seeing how you were doing of course um and yeah that is another edition of kent and the steering team thank you all for joining us um till next time yep Come back here.